0: Amen. Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming out. Brave in the cold and the weather. I appreciate it. It's always good to see you. We are continuing on in our First Peter series, and, and as we do, we're, we're talking about the idea that we have an inheritance. This inheritance is a salvation, a life that we get to live both now and forevermore. And, and the point of the inheritance is, and as it was described in the Old Testament, was to carry out the business of the Father. And the business of our Father is to live for Him and help other people know Him. And there's a beautiful connection there. There's this idea that if we get this, our life will be forever changed. If we grasp this, then we're going to find the freedom, and the joy, and the hope, and the peace that we were promised, and that we long for. If, if we get this, it is revolutionary. But what so often happens, as we started talking about last week, is we turn it, and we make it about us. And that's a dangerous place to be. We turn it, and make it into something other than what it's supposed to be. I, I remember um, being in middle school, and there was a, a high school a guy in our youth group named Brian. I remember going on like a, um, a, a ski trip, I think it was, and I remember all of a sudden on the back row, we were in a, a van or a bus I don't remember what it was, but I remember Brian just all of a sudden laid out a, a string of cuss words and he did it to make a point, and we were like, "Dude, what's up?" because it was very out of character, but he was just like, "Well, I, cuss words are just arbitrary words made up by moms That's what he said and and I, I remember going but, but why why do you want to do that or?" be that. And, and he goes, this is the same guy who would later tell me that I, he didn't want to live past 40 because when you're past 40, what's the point of living? So, um, uh, but I remember sitting there going, this doesn't make sense. And what, what he was saying is basically the truth is relative. And if truth is relative, then obedience is relative. And if obedience is relative, then really it's just, you know, God, God loves us. It's all good. But the reality is we are called to holiness to be set apart. The reality is we are called to pursue the things of God, but we have to do it in a way that isn't set apart for our own self, set apart and fooling us into thinking we're being obedient for something other than what it is supposed to be. Obedience is supposed to be about bringing us into holiness. Let me read to you First Peter 1, uh, verses 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded, And set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. This passage translates into this idea that after you understand the essence of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, there's a, an obligation to live for Him. And we know that obligation because we see one very important word there, therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, see what it is, therefore. And the idea is, as you have received the inheritance, you're going to be obedient because God's salvation story has to affect us if it is genuine. God's salvation story has to affect us if it's genuine. And there's a natural cause and effect that happens. Uh, The cause is we've come to a relationship with Jesus and the result is obedience. It doesn't work the other way around. You can't be obedient hoping to find the effect of salvation. That doesn't work. Ephesians tells us that it doesn't work. You can never be good enough. We've fallen short of the glory of God. The cause for our obedience is we understand what has happened to our life. We are taking the steps to be drawn more, to be more and more like Him, and we want our life to look different and be changed. And that's a powerful statement. Obedience leads us to holiness, leads us to a right relationship with God. In other words, I wanted, once I married my wife, to please her because I understood the relationship. I didn't want to obey her just because I wanted her to stay married with me. I wanted to do what she wanted me to do. I wanted to find what made her smile. I wanted to do what she wants and desires because I am madly in love with her. You get it? This is what obedience is. It's not a list of uh, rules. It's a desire that comes from being in a relationship with God. And so how do we do that? He says first, you have to get your minds ready for action. Therefore with your minds ready for action. Now, uh, the literal translation there is to gird up your mind. You know why we don't say the word gird? First of all, it's a weird word. Second of all, we don't dress like they used to dress. So girding up your minds ready for action, okay? So this back in the day men didn't wear skinny jeans. They didn't. They didn't wear jeans. What they wore were tunics or robes or whatever. And so what they would do in order to get ready for battle or to go whatever sport they're doing or whatever. They, I have been told, although I've never experienced this myself, that it is difficult to run in a long dress. Is that, is that true, ladies? Right? And a few men, may I don't know. It's difficult to run in a long dress. So in order to be able to be ready for battle, you had to pick up your robe and tie it off so your knees could have free range of motion. And so you could run, Right? And so what he's saying there is to prepare your mind. Now, isn't it interesting that the first step in obedience wasn't to obey, but rather the first step in obedience was to prepare your mind to be able to obey. Prepare your mind to be able to obey. That is an enormous thing. I love that because I love the idea of saying, okay, I'm going to do what it takes to know how to follow Jesus. Now, how do we follow Jesus? Well, this goes back to, if you've been around a while, you understand. You follow Jesus by reading His Word. It's kind of hard to spend time following Jesus if you aren't reading His Word. You pray. You practice the, the spiritual disciplines. But you know what I find doesn't happen? I find that when we say, okay, I'm going to uh, read my Bible tomorrow, and the alarm goes off, and I go, oh, I could snooze. Right? Or I'm gonna, later today, I'm going to go do a good deed. Later today doesn't come, does it? And the reason is, you haven't prepared for the moment to spend time with God. I'm a man who likes a plan, who likes a backup plan, who likes a backup plan. Anybody? And sometimes what you have to realize is, in order to actually make sure that you're preparing your mind for battle, you have to determine the night before that I'm gonna do it. I see that in college, right? I'm not gonna skip that class. Next morning, class got skipped. And, and uh, I, I don't know why I did it. I just didn't, you know, it was just like, oh, it's, it was so cold. It was Texas. It was like 60, you know? It's like, I'm gonna have to wear a jacket. <laughs> and um, too soon, too soon for me, too. Um, I remember thinking, okay, I, I just, but when I said to myself, self, so? You're getting up the next day and going to class. I went to class. That's true a lot of times what we do with our faith is we wonder why we we fall away. We wonder why we don't spend time with God. It's because we haven't prepared our mind to actually do it. And I think spending time with God is super important in the morning. Why? Because if you spend time with God, then you're prepared for whatever else comes your way. When you find the application, it's amazing to me how often I'll encounter something in God's word that morning, and it applies to me the rest of the day. So here's our Monday morning application. Don't worry, there's a lot of them, and I'm not at the end of my sermon. There's three Monday morning applications this week. So, spoiler alert, Monday morning application 1-1. One, one. Don't check into the world without first checking in with God. So what does that look like? If I were to, I haven't done this the other two services, but I feel like this crowd of all the crowds can do it. Can we be honest with each other? I want to, I want to experiment. Chris, we're going to experiment. Are you good at that? Okay, how many, if you're honest, we could all, don't look around, just look at yourself. Don't take pictures of this either, okay? How, how, many, how many of you would say, right here, first thing I do in the morning is look at my phone. Raise your hands. Raise them high. Yeah, 90% of the room. Don't do that. <laughs> right? Don't do that. Why? Because you're letting the world dictate your first thought. You're letting the world the first thing that you're coming is through someone else's mind. So rather than having the first thing you do to reach out your phone, spend time with God. The first thing you do before you, you turn on the news is spend time with God. The first thing you do before you have your, well no, have your coffee. It's okay. Um, you, you gotta be able to have your coffee. The first thing you do uh, okay, maybe you need to check to see if school's in session. I get that. But after, maybe you need to feed the kids. I got that. But before you get an influence from the outside of the world, prepare your mind for battle because the day is going to be a battle. The enemy is going to want to distract you. The enemies want to keep you away from the presence of God. And God says, I have a plan for you. I love you. I want you to follow me. Prepare your mind. Checking in with God first. And after we prepare our mind, the way to step to obedience, the second thing is we're preparing our mind to be sober minded. Now, sober minded here is not really the idea of alcohol. You can all breathe. The idea of sober-minded, rather, is, is being in control of your mind and allowing it to function as it normally would. The idea of sober-minded mind there is being in control of your mind and allowing it to function as it normally would. So what does that look like? I was in church one time, many, many, many years ago. My dad was a minister, and my dad never yelled at me. and My dad never lost his cool, but my dad had this look. You know the look? The, the kind that makes a son shake in his boots, right? Well, one day I did something I shouldn't have done at church. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember my dad giving me one of those looks. And I remember the, the here's how the exchange went down. Okay, he walked up to me and he said the following words, Daniel, what were you thinking? Here's my response. I don't know. I wasn't sober minded. Why? Because I wasn't thinking. Why? Because if I was thinking, I wouldn't have done what I had done. So here's a spoiler alert. Most of the things that cause us to draw away from the presence of God, most of the things that are sins, most of the things that are egregious errors that hurt us, most of the things in life that you find yourself going, how did I end up here? It's because you never thought. You never pause long enough to think of the ramifications. You never pause long enough to sit sit there and think, I shouldn't be going this direction. I shouldn't be doing that thing. You never pause. You never thought you weren't sober-minded. And and so here Peter is saying, I want you to gird up your loins, to be ready, gird up your loins, gird up your mind. I want you to prepare your mind. That's another passage in the Bible, don't worry. Prepare your mind for battle. And I want you to be ready to go out, and then I want you to stay in control of your mind, choosing to cut out the distractions of the world, instead fill it with my presence. So here's Monday morning application number two. I want you to cut out a potential distraction for the week. (laughs) So what does that look like? (laughs) Maybe just maybe no social media for a week. (gasps) But that's so hard. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe uh, no sports watching on TV for a week. That's easier. I don't like sports. That's not yours then. (laughs) Maybe no Hallmark movies for a week. No. Maybe just maybe you say, I'm going to make sure and do that. And what what you're doing is you're desiring those things. When you desire those things is you're saying, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to instead plug it in with the, the character and the nature of God. You're chasing after God. You're doing the things that he wants us to do after he says um, prepare your mind and after he says uh, be sober-minded he says the following he says set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you by the revelation of jesus christ set your hope on the grace in other words we aren't going to get this perfect as jesus reveals himself Set your hope in that presence. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand about this passage. This is huge and important. And where we get sidetracked, we know we're supposed to be obedient. And so that's why we put on the fake mask and act like we're obedient. Do you, yeah, I did this. I was perfect, you know. And then behind, them, no, I'm not so good, you know. And all these things. And so what he's saying here is set your hope, not on obedience, but on the revelation of Jesus Christ. The hope is that God would reveal himself to you. And that would create us to have uh, great expectations and proper expectations for the life to come and for this life. And so the hope is Jesus would reveal himself in the end, absolutely. But the hope is he's going to reveal himself to us now and show us how to live now so we have a way to handle our struggles now and into the next life. We're setting our hope there by staying sober-minded, by preparing to be in the presence of God. Now, here's what this looks like when we go awry. This is where we, we sit there and go, I know I'm supposed to be obedient, so I'm going to ties. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I gave money to the Lord. Woo! I'm going to work in the nursery. Rock the babies, rock the babies, love the babies. Ah, I'm such a great Christian. But the problem is, that pastor says we need grace. We aren't always going to be perfect. So I want to say something that might scare you. In fact, it should scare you. I want to say something that talks about obedience. I am the pastor of this church. Okay? By, by title, I am. <laughs> and I, I could come here. Now, I could actually stand up here on a Sunday morning. I could preach a message without ever spending time with God. I've studied it. I know it. I know the pastors. I know what it's saying. I know the flow. I have a general gist of the idea. I have a general gist of the mentality. I can stand up. I can open a passage in the New Testament. I could probably articulate it. In fact, I could probably tell you something about the Greek that it was originally written in. I can go to the Old Testament. I could teach it. I can't tell you about the Hebrew. I don't know that. I could do all those things. I could find the Bible. I could tell you the 66 books of the Bible. I could name the kings of the Old Testament. I could tell you the point of Revelation is God wins. The rest of it is not the big deal. I could tell you that in Genesis, God began. That the fact that the Bible, I could talk about facts for days. I can even get you into tears. I can tell you all the things and have it not affect me. I can do all of that. Let's translate it even farther. I can go to the hospital and have a bad attitude and turn it on and make you feel good about yourself. I can perform a funeral. I can perform a wedding. I can counsel you in your direst need and not talk to God about it and that should scare you to death because if I can do it you can do it too now here's the key of obedience obedience isn't obedience if it's legalism it isn't obedience if you're just walking through the motions in order for obedience to be obedience, you have to hear the voice of the master, the one telling you which way to go. In other words, you can't obey if you're not spending time in the presence of the one who's giving and guiding and guarding your life. You can't. Which is why a lot of times we throw around, God told me. God didn't tell you, He didn't. It doesn't, he's not going to contradict His word. He's not going to contradict what he's always done. I, I'm, I'm going to give a confession. I don't like to do this. This is one of the most, the most embarrassing stories of my life. Okay, But when I was 17 years old, 18 years old, I don't remember exactly. I was the guy who broke up with a girl and said, God told me to broke up with you. I know some of you are like right now, like, not my pastor. Yes, I'm so sorry. I wasn't your pastor then. I want to tell you something else. I have apologized to the girl. I've apologized to everybody I need to apologize. I don't need you judging me, Okay. It was a poor thing to say. Why? Because God didn't tell me to break up with her. I just didn't want to date. And that was the end of a sentence. And we throw that around a lot. It's like, uh, you can't argue with it. God told me. Or God told me to do this. God, God's not going to send you somewhere that is contradictory to who he is. He's not going to ask you to to go endorse something that is contradictory to who he is. He's not going to ask you to go away. Now, I know that there's gray areas in the Bible. I understand that. But seek his word. Seek how God reveals and stop trying to use the Bible to justify your poor behavior. I'm talking to myself. Right? By the way, there's an old YouTube video called The Honest Preacher. You should watch it. It's really hilarious. Guy gets up there, he loses his cool, and he goes, Dan is the worst. That guy is the worst. He comes to my office all the time and complains. I'm not going to do that to anybody, okay? But sometimes I sit there and I go, come on! And then I realize I'm looking in the mirror that I need the same grace. Our poor decisions are a collection of, of not spending time in the presence of the King. Our poor decisions... I heard a sermon by Craig Rochelle that said this. Basically, this is Daniel Berry's summary of it, paraphrase. The amount of time you spend with God is a direct reflection of your obedience. In other words, if you aren't spending time with God, you're not really obeying. You're walking through the motions and being legalistic. Now hear me. There's seasons. Been there, done that. There's times you're going to do that. That's where God's grace comes in. But we are to be drawn into the presence of the King. You don't want me preaching a sermon that I haven't prayed over any more than I want you to live your life without praying, walking, reading, and determining what God wants you to do. So after the cut of potential distraction out of the week, I want you to do the third thing. I want you to write down a goal for your faith this week and strive to meet it. I want you to try to spend presence time in the presence of God. Well, how do I do that? Well, we went through a spiritual discipline series last year. You can go look it up on our podcasts. But basically, it's spend time with them. Maybe for some of you, it's I'm not going to look at my phone before 10 a.m., Except the check if school's in session. Oh. So you're gonna set your alarm for 10 a.m.? But my alarm's on my phone. Yeah. Been there, done that, tried that. Set your alarm off, don't look at your phone. <coughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel the same way, testify. <sighs> for some of you, it's not your phone, it's a distraction. It's that friend that gossips, and you know you need to cut them out. You don't want to be mean about it, but you just need to cut them out. For some of you, it's, I'm not going to, I'm going, and when what happens when those temptations arise, you're going to say, I'm going to spend time in the presence of God instead. Why? Because as we prepare our minds for action, as we step into that cutting out the distractions of the world, and we set goals t- for the purpose of drawing into the presence of God, not to get a, oh, look what a good Christian I am. As we find the presence of God, then you find your freedom. And ultimately, holiness is not a group of monks sitting around. It could be, but it's not really the point. It's not a a no fun, no excitement, no thrill life. Holiness is not any of that. Holiness is freedom found when you recognize that you are a son or a daughter of the king. Do you want freedom? Stop doing things your way. You want freedom. Follow the way of the master who loves you more than you love yourself and will never steer you wrong. You can trust that. I want to challenge us to holiness because obedience leads to holiness. We are to be holy because he is holy. Isn't that a good God who asks us to be holy as he is holy? And holiness means set apart. We are to be set apart. We are to be drawn like him. We are to be holy because we were rescued. we were in the middle of the sea drowning and he rescued us. And ultimately that rescue is what drives us and reminds us that I can't do this on my own. And We're to be holy because it shows the glory of God in our life and the lives of others. I shared this illustration with my small group and I've shared this illustration before, but it's it's been a while. We have so many new people. I want to share this illustration again. You know, the problem with holiness is we don't feel worthy, right? But holiness to me is best described by the illustration that describes us as the moon. You know what the moon is? It's a piece of dirt going around this earth. (laughs) Did anybody testify? Anybody feel like a piece of dirt going around this earth? Yeah. Ain't nothing special about me, just a piece of dirt walking through. But that piece of dirt gives light to a darkened world. How? By reflecting the light of the sun. You're right. There's nothing special about you except you've been in the presence of God. Your face is glowing with the power of the sun. I love that. I love, that is the call to holiness, that that I have been transformed. I I was dark and cold and and nothing, but I have encountered the sun and now that reflection comes off me and beams into the darkness of the light and and into the world and beams into the lives of others and helps other people see I am new. I am a new creation. I am changed. I don't have to live with all those things. I don't have to live that way. I I don't have to be a person who learns to live with the struggles. God is making me into something new. That is what holiness does. That's where freedom is found. What happens when we don't do it? Well, then you don't do it well. You're going to have struggles. The moon even goes through seasons, right? Times when it's full, times when you see just a sliver. That's where God's grace kicks in. But our goal is to be full of Christ because as we seek after him, the more and more we shine, the more and more we show, that ultimately that's when well, what happens when the moon becomes full is you can see the man in the moon. And as you become full of the grace of Jesus Christ, people can see Jesus in you. Now that you find peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You find all the fruits of the Spirit. You find freedom. So if you're not a believer in this room, it begins with recognizing that Jesus came to die for you, to set you free. And it's not about walking down an aisle. It's not about a prayer you pray. It's about a life saying, God, come into my life. I recognize you died for me, and I need to be rescued. I turn from following my own ways. I repent, another way to say that, and I ask you to come in. If you've never done that, we'd ask you to realize that Jesus loves you, and we want you to go by the next step space and let us talk to you about it. A whole lot of people in church that think they're saved, but they've never really followed God. Don't be that person. Give Him everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, then here's our Monday morning applications for the week and what we want you to practice. To draw into the presence the holiness of God. Don't check into the world without first checking in with God. And by the way, if you're on your phone and notice someone posted something at 8.04 in the morning and you're like, we weren't supposed to be looking. I never said that. So it's an individual thing. So don't be judging other people, all right? Second, Cut out a potential distraction for the week. Why? To draw into the presence of God. And third, write down a goal for your faith this week and strive to meet it, and that very well may be I'm going to do steps one and two. Congratulations. Three it was a layup if you do one and two, right? But the point is, I'm not going to be controlled by the world. I'm going to be sober-minded, preparing to prepare, and I'm going to encounter the world. Now, as we close, I want another little illustration real quick. Winter has a definite definite effect on me. But you know what I love about winter? Spring's coming. You know? I'm over the snow. I loved it. Now I'm ready to stop. I'm ready for 70 degree days. Testify, anybody. I don't know why I'm saying testify today. It's like all of a sudden it's like my word for the day. But um, I long for spring. And spring is coming. But in the seasons of winter, we trust in God. And so Jesus knew that there would be seasons of winter. He knew that there would be difficult times. He knew that there would be struggles. And so when he gathered with the disciples, his last act was to take the bread and to take a cup. And to take a a simple gesture like this and say, you know, you can have hope and be reminded of what's coming. So we practice that here. It's called communion, common unity, Lord's Supper, whatever you call it in your tradition. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're invited to participate. In just a moment, the deacons are going to pass this around. There's two cups in here. One's got the bread underneath, and one's got the juice. And we're going to do this to remind us of what God is doing in our life. Now, hear me. This is not about just walking through the motions. Today, I want you to encounter the presence of God. So as you take this, be thankful for what He's done and ask Him to speak to you. Ask that you could hear His voice. It probably won't be audible but you can still hear it in the Spirit of God in you. Ask that you can hear Him as you read His Scriptures, that you know which way to go. And ask Him just to show up lead and follow Him because He's good and He'll find freedom. So deacons, come forward as we pray. Father, I thank You for this time. And I ask that You move in our lives. Take us this morning to where You want us to go. May our answer be yes and to be faithful in following You. God, guard us and guide us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.